Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Coming up on the science revolution, if young people don't have standing in climate cases while the world is on fire, who does? Plus, Jason O'Neill is here with the impact of Trump's rollbacks to environmental law. In Geeky Science, we're talking about the biology of coffee. Plus, don't miss the science beat and the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. There's an extraordinary video over on YouTube right now that was put together by Greta Thunberg and George Monbiot, the columnist with The Guardian. And it explicitly says, please repost this, please rebroadcast this, please use this. And so I want to play this for you because it is extraordinary and it is thought provoking and it's shocking. And I've got a little rant, I guess, that I want to get into afterwards with it. So here it is right here. This is not a drill. My name is Greta Thunberg. We are living in the beginning of a mass extinction. Our climate is breaking down. Children like me are giving up their education to protest. But we can still fix this. You can still fix this. To survive, we need to stop burning fossil fuels. But this alone will not be enough. Lots of solutions are talked about. But what about a solution that is right in front of us? I'll let my friend George explain. There is a magic machine that sucks carbon out of the air, costs very little, and builds itself. It's called a tree. A tree is an example of a natural climate solution. Mangroves, peat bogs, jungles, marshes, seabeds, kelp forests, swamps, coral reefs, they take carbon out of the air and lock it away. Nature is a tool we can use to repair our broken climate. These natural climate solutions could make a massive difference. Pretty cool, right? But only if we also leave fossil fuels in the ground. Here's the crazy part. Right now, we are ignoring them. We spend 1,000 times more on global fossil fuel subsidies than on natural-based solutions. Natural climate solutions get just 2% of all the money used on tackling climate breakdown. This is your money. It is your taxes and your savings. Even more crazy, right now when we need nature the most, we're destroying it faster than ever. Up to 200 species are going extinct every single day. Much of the Arctic ice is gone. Most of our wild animals have gone. Much of our soil has gone. So what should we do? What should you do? It's simple. We need to protect, restore and fund. 
protect. Tropical forests are being cut down at the rate of 30 football pitches a minute. Where nature is doing something vital, we must protect it. Restore. Much of our planet has been damaged. But nature can regenerate, and we can help ecosystems bounce back. Fund. We need to stop funding things that destroy nature and pay for things that help it. It is that simple. Protect. Restore. Fund. This can happen everywhere. Many people have already begun using natural climate solutions. We need to do it on a massive scale. You can be part of this. Vote for people who defend nature. Share this video. Talk about this. All around the world, there are amazing movements fighting for nature. Join them. That's extraordinary. So there's kind of good news and bad news on this front right now. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has shot down, or at least a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit, has shot down what's referred to as the Juliana case, Juliana v. U.S. It's being brought by Our Children's Trust. It's a group of 21 young people who have sued the United States, saying basically by continuing to subsidize fossil fuels and and the like, you are stealing our future. And two out of the three judges said, "Mm, you guys don't have standing. You young people don't have a right. You don't have standing to sue the United States government because the government is helping destroy your future. And one of the two justices or two judges said, wrong, they absolutely do have standing, and this is a crisis and an emergency. That's kind of the bad news is that they ruled against. The good news is, A, this is being appealed to the entire Ninth Circuit. All, I believe it's 11 judges will, if they take the appeal, will hear the case. And B, the court, in their ruling, striking down the case acknowledged that there's a climate emergency. All three judges, I mean, the two judges who said, sorry, kids, you don't have standing, said, but there is a crisis. There is an emergency going on, and it's something that probably the country should do something about. And But it's just like the way to do it is not through the courts. In fact, what they said was that the solution would not be in the courts. They said, quote, we reluctantly conclude that the plaintiff's case must be made to the political branches or to the electorate at large. In other words, this is something that needs to go forward in Congress and in state legislatures. And it will only go forward, obviously, in those venues if you and I and everybody else who is halfway paying attention and awake votes for candidates who put climate change front and center in their candidacy, who are willing to fight and work for saving our planet. And that's a growing number of politicians. This has now gone from being a topic that's only occasionally talked about to being at the center of Democratic Party politics. Tragically, the entire Republican Party is still sold out to fossil fuel interests and is still lying about this stuff, just like the entire Republican Party right up until the late 1990s was claiming that tobacco didn't cause cancer and wasn't addictive because they were taking money from the tobacco industry. Then that got all blown up with some lawsuits showing that the tobacco industry was lying to us all and had been for decades. They knew that they were killing a half a million Americans every year, and still are, by the way. But now it's fossil fuel money is the stuff that the GOP is mainlining. 
So, you know, it's time to time to wake ourselves up and get out there and do something about this and A, electing people. But B, keep track of this case. I'll be keeping track of it on this program and on this show as we continue to move forward into the future. On the line with us is Jason O'Neill. He's the deputy director of the Western Values Project. The westernvaluesproject.org is their website, and you can tweet him at western underscore values. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having us, Tom. We're excited to be here and um, really chat about kind of what we believe is an unprecedented corporate capture unseen, arguably, in American history across this administration. Right. So the secretary is Bernhardt. Right. For the Interior Department. I remember James Watt is kind of in the same mold, it seems, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we, we've hearkened back to kind of the days of the land barons and the oil and gas land barons that are coming in and running really roughshod over our public lands and our environment. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Yes. Yeah, so folks that haven't been following, you know, our Secretary of Interior, now that manages all America's natural resources and public lands and has input on our rivers and water resources, all myriads of things. Well, here this guy comes from an experience of a lobbyist for the very extractive industry corporations that are now at the trough and seeking major environmental revisions and protections removed from our public lands. We know that David Bernhardt has represented at least 26 corporate entities that have a direct impact on the decisions that are being made at the Department of Interior. So to say that he's the ultimate swamp creature may be putting it lightly. Yeah, it, it might be an insult to swamp creatures. So uh, <laughs> particularly since he's actually in charge of supervising the swamps around the country, at least those that are protected. Uh, let's start with the National Environmental Policy Act. I'm, I'm not sure when this was passed. Is this back uh, Nixon era law? This was the first really strong law to protect our national parks and our commons. Yeah, I mean, that is correct. So, you know, this is America's bedrock environmental law dating back 50 years when Richard Nixon was really in a position almost forced to have to pass it. Remember, in those times, that was when rivers were catching on fire. Yeah, the Cuyahoga River, I remember it. It was right down the road from us. So, you know, after 50 years of successes, ensuring that we balance the decisions that we make on major projects and development and extractive development, the Trump administration and really David Bernhardt, the architect, of these some 200 pages of revisions really had decided that after 50 years of success, let's gut it for our corporate pals and our former clients in the case of David Bernhardt. Are they able to do this? Because typically what legislation does, particularly when it creates an agency or a a new policy, is it outlines broad goals like, you know, we want clean air and decent water and we want to protect endangered species. But Congress doesn't have the expertise to micromanage that or even to micro define what that means. And so they give these yeah. broad policy objectives and then it's up to the agency to have their own scientists and their own experts figure out what's the best way to accomplish that goal. And so when somebody comes in who disagrees with the goal and says, well, what's the best way to screw up that goal? They simply have their scientists come up with different policies, and and therefore you can have these huge differences in implementation of law from one administration to another uh, because of that. Am I accurately describing that? 
Yeah, and um, I mean, I think that that is some of the uncertainty uh, that has been brought forward by industry and projects on it because it has changed. But what we see now under the Trump administration, though, is actually an agency that really even doesn't acknowledge science, (laughs) you know, which should be very frightening for the future of our country. And, you know, we even had our uh, appointed acting BLM director, William Penley, for folks that don't know of him, he's had a 30-year history fighting this very law, tell reporters that this was a terrible burden on us, implying that it was a burden for our agency to actually do the work to ensure that the public was protected and our environment was protected and our public health was protected by reviewing and analyzing a project through the guise of the NEPA law. One thing I think we should maybe start calling it instead of the National Environmental Protection Act under Trump, maybe it's no environmental protections anymore. Uh, because really when we look at these revisions and we can go down the top lines and, and there's many organizations looking at kind of the minutia of it, but you know, we can drive, a, a, you know, corporations now can drive a truck through um, our environmental laws, which means that we don't have to consider the science. We can pick and choose what a project needs to be reviewed or when it doesn't need to be re- reviewed. Um, and really, we're just going to be sticking our heads in the sand, ignoring probably the biggest issue that's hanging out over the entire world and the globe is climate emissions and the, the impacts of global warming. But again, when you put somebody as like a stable genius as Trump in charge, who's also filled his administration with over 280 lobbyists, you know, really, this is the outcome. They are working to move the ball forward and remove protections for the American people so corporations can put money in their pockets. I understand the secretary, David Bernhardt, has also on numerous occasions hidden meetings with industry lobbyists and industry fat cats on his calendar or issued conflicting versions of his calendar. This guy knows what he's doing is wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, when you um, don't release public information, you do things behind closed doors. Really, it shows what the intent is, you know, and mm-hmm. and going forward from his days as a mega lobbyist, we know he has at least five different versions of calendars. We've been able to go through and identify at least 12 meetings that Secretary Bernhardt or his deputy secretary have had regarding NEPA rollbacks. Furthermore, we've also identified directly 10 clients in which his former clients or the clients of his now most powerful lobby firm in the world, Brownstein and Hyatt, stand to directly benefit from the gutting of America's bedrock environmental law. This is this is absolutely insane. Jason O'Neill, Deputy Director of the Western Values Project. What can we do about this? Well, first off, sticking with the Trump theme, there's a completely inept 60-day comment period. There is going to be a petition to expand that. There is actually only two public meetings regarding 200 pages of some revisions to the NEPA law. There's going to be one in Washington, D.C., and there's going to be one out in Denver, but there's also going to be a petition to actually expand those meetings. But we need to contact and comment and say that we need to protect the lands, the water, our air, and our public health. There's an opportunity for people to comment on federalregister.gov 
as well as talk to your elected officials. This is unprecedented. This is unprecedented corporate capture of our federal government. And our elected officials need to stand up to the Trump administration and say, no, public health is more important. Our wildlife is more important. Our clean water is more important. And the future of our country and, quite frankly, our planet is more important than lining the pockets of the 1% and the corporate billionaires who pay nothing back into our system. And the former lobbying clients of Mr. Bernhardt. It's absolutely amazing. Jason O'Neill, the uh, deputy director of the Western Values Project. WesternValuesProject.org is the website. Tweet them at Western underscore values. Jason, thanks for dropping by. Thanks, Tom, for having us. Great talking with you. Sponsoring the interview this week is New Leaf Natural CBD Oil. Boy, with all this impeachment stuff and Trump treason flying around, you know, I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti, or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think it's the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Natural CBD Oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's NUleafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NULeafNaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NULeafNaturals.com. That's NULeafNaturals.com. That's NULeafNaturals.com. Code TOM. It's spelled T-H-O-M. NULeafNaturals.com. In geeky science, given coffee's popularity, it's surprising how much confusion surrounds how coffee affects our biology. The main biological active ingredient in coffee is caffeine, a stimulant, in addition to a suite of antioxidants. The stimulant properties of caffeine means that coffee wakes you up. This makes coffee the most commonly used psychoactive drug in the world. It works as a stimulant in part by blocking adenosine, which helps regulate energy in our bodies. Caffeine acts as a molecular mimic, filling and blocking the adenosine receptor, preventing the body's natural tendency to rest when it's tired. This blocking is also why too much coffee can leave you feeling jittery or sleepless. You can only postpone fatigue for so long before the body's regulatory systems begin to fail, leading to simple things like the jitters, but also more serious effects like anxiety or insomnia. Meanwhile, the antioxidants in coffee may actually have a cancer-fighting effect. Remember that antioxidants help fight cellular damage. One type of damage that they may help reduce is mutations to DNA. And cancer is often caused by mutations that lead to the misregulation of genes. Studies have shown that consuming coffee definitely fights cancer in rats. Other studies in humans have shown that coffee consumption is associated with lower rates of some cancers. Interestingly, coffee consumption has also been linked to reduced rates of Parkinson's disease and some forms of dementia. And higher coffee consumption also appears to reduce the incidence of type 2 diabetes. In the science beat, the United Nations Biodiversity Chief, Elizabeth Maruma Marima, has issued a warning. If humanity doesn't take action now, we will be left to survive on an empty world. In an interview with The Guardian, Marima said that unless the world takes action, the complex system of biodiversity that quite literally sustains life on our planet will collapse, taking with it 
many of what she calls, quote, the prerequisites for human health and livelihoods. People's lives, she said, depend on biodiversity in ways that are not always apparent or appreciated. And she added, human health ultimately depends on ecosystem services, the availability of fresh water, fuel, and food sources. In a surprising unintended consequence, a study by scientists at the University of Cambridge in the UK has discovered that river flow is reduced in places where forests have been planted and does not recover over time. Rivers in some areas could disappear completely within 10 years. Planting trees has been promoted as one of the best ways of reducing atmospheric carbon dioxide levels as trees absorb and store carbon dioxide as they grow, converting it into tree matter. Scientists knew planting trees reduces the amount of water flowing into nearby rivers, but no one had realized how this effect changes as forests age. The Cambridge study looked at 43 sites around the planet where forests have been established and used river flow as a measure of water availability in the region. It found that within five years of planting trees, river flow was reduced by an average of 25%. But 25 years after the trees were planted, rivers went down by an average of 40% and in a few cases had dried up altogether. That is troubling news. Refugees fleeing the effects of climate crisis will be forced to return home, according to a new decision by the United Nations Human Rights Committee. The new decision could open up a massive wave of legal claims by displaced people around the world. First of its kind, ruling opens the door for a new kind of legal claim to future protections for people whose lives and health are threatened by a warming planet and sea level rise, according to legal experts. The ruling is expected to have profound consequences as the impacts of the climate crisis are predicted to displace hundreds of millions of people soon and are already displacing millions every year. According to researchers at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health and Psychiatry, a mix of stress and air pollution may lead to cognitive difficulties in children. Young children with higher exposure to stress in the home and elevated exposure to air pollution exhibited heightened symptoms of attention and thought problems. Early life stress is common in youth from disadvantaged backgrounds who also often live in areas with greater exposure to air pollution. The results appear in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry. First author, David Paglissio, a Ph.D., assistant professor of clinical neurobiology and psychiatry at Columbia Psychiatry, says, quote, prenatal exposure to polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, a neurotoxin common in air pollution, seem to magnify or sustain the effects of early life social and economic stresses on mental health in children, end quote. Who knew? Wombats are democratic socialists. Wombats are the heroes of the fires in Australia, inviting other animals into their burrows. Surprisingly, wombats are running safe houses for other species like wallabies and echidnas, allowing them to survive in an otherwise fatal situation. Wombat rescue manager Yolande Vermakasade said that she has not seen one burnt wombat during her rescue missions and instead has seen a series of survivors, wombats and several other species, hiding in the wombats' tunnels. When the fires are eventually gone, hopefully wombats will get the praise they deserve, both from Australians and their fellow animal neighbors. In hidden history science news, a hundred years ago, doctors were prescribing alcohol as medicine. A hundred years ago this week, prohibition went into effect in America. At midnight on January 17, 1920, the new law enforcement agency called the Bureau of Prohibition began their raids. Breweries are bracing for the blow. 
Budweiser rolled out a de-alcoholized beer that it claimed was healthful and bacteria-free. It was the beginning of an era that lasted nearly 14 years until the repeal of the 18th Amendment. The Volstead Act prohibited manufacturers from selling alcoholic beverages, but it had two key exceptions. Religious leaders could store alcohol for use in worship, and doctors were allowed to prescribe booze as medicine. Once the Volstead Act started, doctors' prescriptions of alcohol varied widely. Winston Churchill, for example, an enthusiastic drinker, was hit by a car while he was visiting New York City to give a lecture in 1931. He suffered some injuries and was reportedly depressed for months. A doctor subsequently wrote him a prescription for an, quote, indefinite quantity of alcoholic spirits to be consumed during mealtimes, specifying that Churchill should receive, at minimum, 250 cc's daily, roughly equivalent to eight and a half fluid ounces of hard liquor. Hmm. In closing, Greta Thunberg has demanded that the Davos elite halt all fossil fuel investments, and she added, act as if you loved your children above all else. The Trump administration's response came from Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, formerly the foreclosure king of California, who threw thousands of people out of their homes before he was stopped when his bank collapsed. He said that Greta shouldn't lecture the world until she's finished with college. That's even uglier than our very, very ugly from the good, bad, and ugly. It's the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. The good, Iceland, for not hunting whales in 2019. Few people could have predicted that whaling may end in Iceland, not through denial of a permit, but from lack of interest. But the attitude of Icelanders has changed against whaling. And so public opinion in the world's remaining commercial whaling nations, Japan and Norway, will move in the same direction. The bad, Trump, for mocking the idea of building a seawall to prevent flood damage in New York City. Trump said, quote, residents will have to get your mops and buckets ready. Bad on you, Trump. And the very, very ugly CNN and the Des Moines Register at the Democratic debate for not asking more questions about climate change. It's the largest issue in the world, as it's not only killing off wildlife, but killing humans every year now, and has the possibility of killing all humans within a few generations. And that makes it very, very ugly. Here's your science fact of the week. According to a September 2019 Pew Research Center survey, two-thirds of all Americans now favor national marijuana legalization, reflecting a steady increase in public support. Public opinion on legalizing marijuana was just the opposite just two decades ago. In 2000, 63% of Americans said the use of marijuana should be illegal. Apparently, more and more folks are agreeing with Hunter S. Thompson, who said, I've always loved marijuana. It's been a source of joy and comfort to me for many years, and I still think of it as a basic staple of life, along with beer and ice and grapefruits. And millions of Americans agree with me. Amen. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page.